Chapter 19 Hunting Grounds Beneath the sprawling Ostra Oak, Roland watched his second funeral pyre burn in the short span of a few waves. This one resonated different, knowing he had slain the fallen. He could still see Lucas's blood coating his hands despite having scrubbed them clean countless times. Roland wanted to go back and report what happened. Aside from his attempted murder, someone needed to know what Lucas had said about being forced into the situation by his elders. Roland suspected it went even deeper than a mere clan rivalry. The youths had specifically demanded that he hand over his mountain heart. Roland's father had suspected fellow tribesmen of smuggling mountain hearts out of the heartland, and selling them in outsider black markets, bypassing the high council who governed such affairs. Though, even his father probably didn't expect the smuggled stones to be coming off the corpses of slain youths. The need to act and do something grew in Roland. He couldn't help but wonder how many other youths had fallen victim to the branded axe's petty rivalry. And how many of that number had been his own siblings. The thought made him sick. When he brought up the topic of returning to Wurton, it caused a heated debate with Sebulon. At first, Roland suspected his friend didn't want to get involved in the situation and attract notice from the vengeful clan. Though eventually Sebulon offered some surprisingly sound logic to support the case of finishing the trials first. Sebulon had stated that if reported now, it would only appear as a confrontation among youths that got bloody. The High Council would expect an extreme story to justify the outcome. At best, Roland might find himself found innocent of an unjust killing, only to be targeted by the branded axe one day when he least expected it. Though, if Roland and Sebulon could return as fused, that would strengthen their standing in the tribe and thus their case as well. Roland supposed that some manner of records must exist in the Hall of Keepers that could further support his claims. He didn't know what he might find there, but a quick stop to see his grandmother and gather information before presenting his case would be prudent. What he really needed was a discussion with his father, one where Valdar for once told everything he knew about what was going on. Roland's access to the elemental forge, that was more than a mere coincidence of circumstance. Not only did Valdar probably know what Roland had done, but also had known that he would use the forge if left alone. The sharpened and forged blades had provided as much of an advantage as his enhanced Kudan training had. While Roland didn't want to, he ended up agreeing with Sebulon to continue their trials. The next few waves led to mild success, obtaining only one fire stone and water stone a piece of sufficient quality for binding pendants. The water stone had been a lucky find. It lay trapped in a frozen pool of water near their camp, becoming illuminated once nightfall came. All of the other stones they came across were either too impure or small to be used in a binding pendant. But the lack of a second nature stone kept them scouring the lowlands far later in the season than originally planned. Roland made it a priority to finish his conductor despite the renewed jealousy it would cause. He simply couldn't risk not having it in the event that someone's survival relied on the ability to extract the necessary essence from a mountain heart. Using hot coals, he burned out the center of an ostra oak branch cut to slightly longer than a palm's width. He coated the inside with melted sap before layering the asterium shards on the inner walls to insulate it. The prong-tipped and coiled copper wire was set inside. It connected to a notch that slid along a slot which he had cut down the length of the tube. The presence of the conductor didn't improve the tension with Sebulon. 
Every evening, if his dark eyes weren't drawn to the device, they fell upon Roland's sheathed blades. Though, no one spoke up regarding either issue. As the waves counted down toward the end of the air season, so did their remaining dried rations. Hunger added to the strain weighing down on them. But Roland would only commit so much time to hunting or searching for the few root vegetables that persisted through the cold season. If they didn't find that second nature stone, they would have to come all the way back into the lowlands after the water season passed. He might be able to survive that long in the wilds, but he doubted that his friendship with Sebulon would. Roland surveyed an open field. A cold breeze crept into his cloak, sending a shiver through him. At first glance the field appeared no different than any other they had passed in recent waves. Tall grass sprouted from the snow in various places. Something about the view struck him as odd, only he couldn't determine why. Maybe it was only the hunger affecting his mind, that or the ever-present weight of the coming change in seasons looming in the back of his head. What are you looking at? You've been staring out there for an age, Sebulon asked, coming alongside. Roland squinted. Not sure. He could feel Sebulon's eyes on him, though Roland didn't look over. He feared what he might find in his friend's expression. Would it be jealousy again? Or perhaps growing doubt in Roland's plan? Sebulon spoke into the following silence. I've been thinking. So, your father suspected tribesmen were stealing heart stones and killing ewes in the trials. The surprise of the statement caught Roland off guard. His friend had shown little interest in the topic previously, not bringing it up once since their initial discussion. Unsure of how to reply, Roland merely shrugged. Out of the corner of his eye, he caught Sebulon nodding before continuing his thought, and he knew they would go after you, out of all the youths, so he taught you the kudan, but gave you no warning. Why was that? Roland shrugged again. Maybe he didn't know all of that, and only wanted to ensure I was protected. Sebulon took on a thoughtful expression before looking out to the clearing. I don't believe that, he said. It seems to me that you were bait to catch these rival clans in the act. A little, hey son, watch out for murderous tribesmen while on the trial speech would have gone a long way. Yeah, it would have, Roland chuckled. Maybe his friend had a point. What was Valder's angle in all this? Roland shook his head. He was too damn tired and hungry to think about it. Hey, what's that? Sebulon asked. His extended arm aimed off to the clearing's fringe on their right. The snow there lay colored with an uncomfortably familiar shade of crimson. They walked over to inspect the scene. Not even halfway there, Roland knew what awaited them. Holy Mother, Sebulon breathed. His ashen face drained of color at the sight of so much snow stained with blood. Before them lay a series of scattered remains. Strips of fur and hide soaked in gore intermixed with cleanly gnawed upon bones. Roland didn't need to make a study of the poor prince to know that a pack of greybacks had done the deed. The way the carcass had been torn apart and divided among the pack made that evident enough. You think the pack is still nearby? Sebulon asked softly. Roland stepped forward and kneeled for a closer look. Next to a piece of blood-soaked fur, he picked up a torn strip of treated hide. The blood had crystallized into a layer of ice, making it stiff in his fingers. This is only a few days old at most, he said and nodded at the carnage. 
there hasn't been a snowfall for close to a wave now and nothing is disturbed here. The packs constantly move around in the lowlands. They are probably dozens of miles away already. What did they take down? A deer? Sebulon asked as he circled the scene, seeming hesitant to get too close. What, isn't the question, but whom, Roland said. He tossed the frozen piece of blooded hide to his friend and added, that is treated leather, not fresh animal skin. It's all over the place. Likely the remnants of an Illyrian's leathers. Sebulon caught the leather strip and inspected it with furrowed brows. No tribesman would be out this far aside from a fused hunting or scouting party. And they would never fall victim to a pack of greybacks. Roland nodded before hesitantly adding, unless it wasn't a fused. It could have been another youth on the trials, and this far north, they could have even been from the Ovion tribe. He left off the fact that whomever it was, they had the same bold plan that he had conjured, to search the area of the heartland less travelled, only their attempt hadn't turned out so well. They stood in silence for a long moment before Sebulon finally said, we should go. Roland stood and moved through the scene. Not yet. See if you can find their pack. What for? Sebulon asked. Whatever rations they had, the greybacks surely devoured it. But if this was a youth, they had been in the wilds for several waves. They must have found some elemental stones during that time. Sebulon stifled an objection, clearly displeased with the potential threat from greybacks. Roland didn't blame him. He didn't like it either, but acquiring the necessary stones could lead them back on track for the trials. They didn't search the blood-stained ground long before Sebulon called, over here. He picked through the shredded remains of a leather pack. Its contents lay scattered about. Among it he retrieved a small leather sack, which he upended onto the red snow. A firestone rolled out, leaving a glistening trail of snow starting to melt at its touch. Plum-sized with only a few inclusions, it would easily work for a binding pendant. That's it? Roland asked, hopeful for more. Sebulon grimaced while he peeled few more pieces of frozen and blood-soaked leather apart, finding nothing inside. Looks like it. I imagine if we search more, we'll find their mountain heart around here somewhere, but we don't need another one of those. No, we don't. But another fire stone at least puts us ready for the peaks when the time comes. Sebulon stood, stowing the new stone in his leather sack containing his other stones in his pack. Good, then let's get out of here before the greybacks return looking for another meal. Not so fast. There's still something he need out there. Roland pointed out to the clearing. Sebulon turned, looking across the clearing and beyond. Um, yeah. Everything else we need is out there. He made a vague gesture, encompassing the landscape of the heartland as a whole. Roland walked over and knelt to pluck a blade of grass sprouting up from the blood-stained snow. Having inspected the gruesome scene had jogged the oddity he had observed earlier free from his mind. This is Cato Longblade, he said, holding the grass up. It only grows in the heartland and normally only to knee-high, but over there, he pointed at a patch in the clearing center, where long stalks folded in the wind, it can't grow that tall without the influence of nature essence. It's probably what our friend here had been searching before, well, before you know. They both cast uneasy glances about what remained of their fellow youth. Sebulon voiced what Roland left unsaid, and just look at where that had gotten them. 
Roland took a deep breath, second-guessing the idea to search himself. Then he recalled how badly they needed another nature stone and strengthened his resolve. Seb, we haven't found a single nature stone nearly sufficient for a binding pendant since that first one. The monsoon is only. Three waves away, Sebulon cut in and waved a hand. I get it. That doesn't mean I have to be happy about it. Let's just do it quickly and be gone. Relief flooded Roland but after a couple steps he paused to look back at the blooded scene. Should we do something with the remains? Maybe burn it? Sebulon's dark eyes refused to look back. The greybacks didn't leave anything to burn. Roland's skin prickled. He supposed there was more than one way to return to the elements. The tall grass grew longer than he had suspected. The clearing allowed for the seasonal winds to gain momentum, constantly folding waist-high stalks over to interweave with one another. Roland and Sebulon disappeared into different quadrants, pulling and pushing the dancing grass aside. Hours passed. With the grass whipping about in the wind, it made it hard to track where Roland had already searched. Find anything? Sebulon asked from the far side of the tall grass. No, and this snow isn't helping, Roland replied. My hands are numb. Sebulon groaned and stood to clear the grass. This is hopeless. Let's move on and search elsewhere. Seb, we talked about this. We don't have time to find another prospect this good before the monsoon. Do you really want to stay in the wilds for another full season? Roland asked. He prodded the snow and soil underneath in search for something solid. Sebulon groaned something unintelligible while running both hands through his matted hair. He paused midway through the motion as a distant howl carried on the wind. What was that? he asked softly. Roland stilled himself, straining his ears to the tone of rustling grass and shifting trees. Just the wind, he said, though it didn't even sound convincing to his own ears. Come on. The sun is setting, and we're running out of daylight. Sebulon stood for a while longer, scanning the clearing's perimeter before eventually resuming his search. The nerves he radiated didn't help Roland. They only added to his own frustrations as grass continued to whip him in the face. He shifted onto his knees and pulled his eye-tack free. Step back a second, he said. Sebulon complied, going as far to collect his pack. Disappointment plainly showed on his face upon realizing Roland had no intent on giving up just yet. The elemental forge had put a razor's edge on his eye-tack. He swiped it through the grass, cleaving stalks off a few inches from the ground. The season's wind did the rest of the work, carrying the remains down the clearing. He repeated the motion again and again, clearing a large area of tall grass. He quickly searched the cleared grass and moved to a new section. He resumed his work, swinging the short sword. Mixed with the song of his blade humming through the air, an eerie howl returned. Sebulon darted down to retrieve his spear. Don't even try to say that was the wind. The pack is coming back. This must be their main hunting grounds. Roland parted his lips to counter, but even he knew the truth in his friend's words. But blasted elements, they needed this stone. Just a few more minutes, he said resuming his chopping with more vigor. That still sounded miles off. Roland, to the shadow with the nature stone. Let's get out of here. Frustration and anxiety bled through Sebulon's voice.
Roland chopped again and scrambled over the freshly cut grass in search of the nature stone. It's here, trust me. We have plenty of, a fresh howl cut him off. This one came noticeably closer than the prior cries. Are you insane? The stone isn't worth this, Sebulon said as he retreated backward. Roland checked the ground again, then cleaved a new section clear. Another howl came, this one from a different direction than the rest. Was it answering a call or did the pack already begin to encircle them? He ignored his friend's continued plight as his search grew frantic. Another howl and another tuft of grass cleared. His hand raked across the stubbled remains and came across a solid lump. He pounced on the spot, clearing snow and pulling knotted grass free until he found the emerald hue of a nature stone beneath. He didn't even check its quality as he went to stow it in his pack. Sebulon had steadily been walking away, spear raised and eye scanning the clearing. He had almost reached the forest's edge. Seeing Roland running that way, Sebulon turned and took off. Their flight seemed to set off a trigger and howls rang out in all directions, chasing them through the forest. When had they gotten so close? Hadn't they been miles off only moments ago? The sun's light also chose that moment to finally fade. The forest's canopy only added to the growing darkness, blotting off any light from the season's essence. As hard as Roland ran, he didn't gain any ground on his friend. Not until Sebulon stumbled on something buried in the snow. He still got back to his feet and up to speed before Roland caught up. Off in the woods to either side, brush and leaves rattled. Once, he caught a flash of movement, but upon glancing to his left, he only saw the imposing dark trunks of trees. Stop, he called, slowing his pace. Seb, stop. Surprisingly his friend complied. Sebulon turned with his spear leveled at the surrounding forest. Have you gone completely mad? The pack will catch us. They've already caught us, and if we don't save any energy for a fight, then they'll have their way with us too, Roland replied through panting breaths as he came alongside. Again, something shifted to his left, then behind him. He turned and a dark blur darted between trees. The darkness of night had fully set in. Not a speck of the night's essence penetrated the dense canopy. He couldn't make out any of the wolves between the spotted snow and darkened bodies of trees and brush. An idea struck him as he spotted a nearby patch of dried vegetation. Over here, he said as he ran over and knelt to rifle through his pack, pulling his conductor out and the first fire stone they had found. Sebulon finally peeled his eyes off the surrounding forest and glanced at Roland. By Thurlak's breath, what are you doing down there? I'm going to need your help with this. Roland pulled out the leather cord to be used for his pendant and said, just a minute. No, no more minutes. We're already in this mess because you needed a minute. Roland ignored him and the sounds of movement on all sides. Setting the fire stone to the conductor's end, he secured it with the leather cord. Get your bow ready, he said as he made another wrap, this one on the conductor's notch locking it into the engaged position. We'll try to drive them off with arrows. The stone lit up with red light and a stream of essence flowed out the conductor's far end. He tossed the pair of them into the brush before retrieving his own bow. He was surprised to see that Sebulon had already strung his bow up and knocked an arrow. He muttered while taking aim. I can't see a damn thing out there. 
It took an effort to string the new war bow, but as Roland secured the bowstring, a soft crackling began. Don't worry, you will, he assured. It didn't take long for the flame to grow in the brush. In seconds, the flickering light illuminated the spotted snowscape of forest before them. He pulled an arrow free and knocked it to his war bow. We should get a few shots off before they come in. Maybe we can get lucky and take out the Alpha, driving the rest of the pack off in the process. He had never faced a pack of greybacks, but Daedra had spoken of the binding role that the Alpha fulfilled. The rest of the pack would feel that loss and immediately lose cohesion. Never before had he hoped one of his lessons to be more true than at that moment. While revealing the ground around them, the firelight also reflected off dozens of eyes. Now that he could see their eyes, vague, fur-covered outlines took shape. Sebulon loosed an arrow without success. Take your time, Roland whispered, focusing on a set of menacing eyes. He loosed and was rewarded with a yelp. The pain from one of their number triggered a series of fearsome growls. Sebulon fired and this time hit one of the attackers. Roland pushed nerves aside and let another arrow fly, again finding purchase. The pack stirred into a frenzy. Sebulon fired again and Roland readied another shot. He locked onto a target, but before he released the string, movement to the left caught his eye. A greyback charged, covering dozens of feet in a mere second. It leaped right as Roland's bow came around. He let the arrow loose, but it sailed wide of the mark. Two hundred pounds of snarling teeth and fur collided with him. He avoided the snapping jaws, but the impact dazed him as they rolled across the ground. He vaguely heard Sebulon shout unintelligibly. When Roland finally stopped moving, he found himself pinned to the ground and staring into the massive wolf's amber eyes. He had time for half a heartbeat, then its jaws lunged forward. He twisted his head clear, feeling the hot breath pour over him. He tried to shove the beast off him, but it proved rather dexterous, twisting free from his hand and coming in again with jaws open. They clamped onto his right forearm. While his thick boar-hide bracer kept his flesh from getting torn open, it did little to negate the immense pressure of that bite. Which became all the more apparent as it violently jerked its head side to side, nearly ripping his arm off at the shoulder. The growls and barks of wolves came from all around. Sebulon added violent curses of challenge into the mix, but Roland couldn't see past the set of jaws that were shadowbent on finding his flesh. Another wolf came in at his feet. He pulled his foot back just as the greyback's jaws chomped onto empty air. The thick tuft of hair running down its ridgeline trembled with its frustrated growl. He clumsily kicked at it, while struggling to fend off the larger wolf atop him. His boot found something solid, earning a yelp. The wolf drooling onto his bracer clamped down harder, earning a grunt of pain. He didn't see his latest attacker come in again until it was too late. Powerful jaws sank into his right calf. Like its companion, once finding purchase, the greyback savagely swung its head, determined to rip off a piece of Roland for itself. No hardened leather armor protected his leg. Its teeth tore into him with hot pain. He screamed. The sound only encouraged both predators. His free hand gave up on dislodging the larger wolf from his arm. He fumbled about his belt until finding his itax handle. He pulled it free only to drop it as the wolf on his leg renewed its bite, sending new pain through him. His hand reached aimlessly through the snow until finding the bare metal of his blade. 
Not even bothering to locate the handle, he grabbed it and sank the dark metal a foot deep into the side of the wolf atop him. The pressure on his forearm immediately vanished and the wolf staggered off with his eye tack still buried in it. The act made the other wolf pause in its tearing of his leg. Roland used the moment to retrieve his talon. He swung it down and buried its pick into the skull of the confused wolf. The animal fell dead, and he quickly pulled the weapon free, expecting a new attacker to come at him. Though none did so. Looking around, the brush had mostly burned up, but a few small flames lingered. Sebulon stood twenty paces off with his spear raised and a handful of dead wolves laying around him. He appeared unscathed as best Roland could tell. He tried to stand and join his friend. Searing pain from his flesh-torn leg sent him back into the snow. Sebulon's gaze flickered back and forth from Roland to the surrounding forest before eventually lingering on his wounded leg. Holy mother, your leg, Sebulon muttered. You need some help? A bit, Roland grimaced as he rolled his tattered and blood-soaked leather pants leg up. Grab my conductor. The cord connecting it to the fire stone should have burned off, so hopefully I didn't overdrain the stone. Sebulon came back a moment later and handed both fire stone and conductor to Roland, who already had his mountain heart out and ready to heal his leg. I'll need a minute before I'm useful again. Think you can get a fire going before that brush burns out? Yeah, Sebulon said, though he remained staring grimly at Roland's leg. I'll be fine. Go on. I'd rather not face our new friends in the dark if they decide to come back. No kidding, Sebulon agreed before finally leaving to start the fire. Roland set conductor to Mountain Heart, releasing a steady stream of golden essence into his burning leg. Despite the relief, he only did so in small bursts, determined to only heal what was needed and not overdraw the stone. He looked to his right, where his first attacker lay. The wolf had made it a dozen feet before collapsing to bleed out. It looked twice the size of its other fallen companions. He hoped either it or one of the other fallen wolves had been the alpha. That would keep the pack away for a time. The savagery of the attack still surprised him. How did people like Daedra ever manage to fuse with a member of a pack without getting torn apart in the process? If the binding failed, they would certainly be doomed. A pit formed in Roland's stomach. He still had that aspect of his trials to face. Did he truly have what it would take to see himself through it? Glancing down at his forearm where the wolf had bitten him, lines of puncture holes covered the bracer gifted to him from his father. A lesser leather would have ripped apart under those powerful jaws. Had a miracle of the mother saved him? Or had his father's prudent planning once again helped out? Roland wasn't sure which reason he preferred, as the later only raised more questions. For now, he simply offered a prayer to the mother that the Greybacks had learned their lesson for the night, because he wouldn't survive another attack if they tried again. 